Hello, and welcome to the Department 12 podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Butina, and joining me today is Trevor Nagel. How are you today, Trevor? Doing great. How about yourself, Ben? I'm doing great, too. Thanks for asking. So, Trevor, you're a working actor. You, you had more than 40 principal roles in films, TV shows, and productions. You've also done voiceover work in industrial films. And, and this is a world that, that I don't have any access to. I think most of my listeners don't have any access to it other than behind-the-scenes featurettes on DVDs and Blu-rays. So could you tell us how you got started? Sure. You know, I think uh, similar to a lot of actors – you know, I was certainly involved with, with theater as a kid in high school through college and never really envisioned that it would be something that I would pursue professionally, but got the opportunity a number of years ago to, to initially just get on a set and, and kind of observe kind of the movie making process. And, and I think in doing that, it kind of kickstarted and relit that passion for for acting and for drama. In that process, I, I, I met a, a lot of uh, background actors, extras on, on set, and I was just having a conversation with them as they were kind of sitting in this back room waiting to, to be to be pulled onto set for, and be used for that day. And I discovered that a lot of them were working actors, and, and who were who were doing periodically doing some background work in particularly in, in some larger films to get, get get exposure to get a payday and, and you don't make a lot as a background actor but um, for a lot of working actors you know it, it's a feast or famine t- type yeah. endeavor so you're, you're constantly looking for you know if i have a free day and i know that that you know, Tom Cruise is, is filming a movie down the street and they're looking for background actors. I'll get on there. So a lot of working actors kind of do that. But in talking with this group, I I, I got the sense, I, I began to understand that that most of their work was in, in principle, in, in speaking roles, in, in various, various levels of films. So I asked them, you know, how, how does this even work? And, and through the, those connections, you know, they, they started kind of mentoring me around, Hey, this is how, this is how the entertainment industry works. This is how you submit for things. This is what you needed to do in order to create a package, to be attractive to casting directors or, or attractive to, to agents. So I, I kind of just slowly o- over the course of probably about a year or two, um, started following their directions and started putting a package together and, and started tr- really just trying to figure out. But so much of this industry is kind of learning as you go. And so it's, it's really been an evolution over the years to the point where, where I've, I've, I've been quite successful. Yeah. Very cool. What's a day in the life of a working actor like? So, you know, a typical day from when you arrive on the set to when you leave. Sure. I think that there's two things that I would differentiate. One is the, the, the typical life of an actor when you're on set, which is which is probably less of, of the time than a typical day when you're not on set. But when you're on set, you know, typically, you, you'll the night before, seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, you know, you'll you'll get an email or a phone call with your call time, and that may be five o'clock in the morning. It may be four o'clock in the afternoon. That's the time you show up. And and from the time you show up, there, it it really is a lot of hurry up and wait. You know, you're waiting for your opportunity to get into 
into the wardrobe area to get your costumes to get get fitted for everything. If you haven't done that previously, you're 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 waiting to get into into hair and makeup, um, and then you're waiting for everything else to be ready. The the the, the process of making a film or or, or 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 shooting a TV show is so intricate and so in depth, and you're job as an actor is such a small role of that, that I would say in the course of a 10 or 12 or sometimes 15 hour shooting day, it's, it's not unusual for you as an actor to actually be on set in position with cameras rolling two of those 15 hours. The rest of the time is really kind of just, just waiting, making sure that you're, that you're still, in the mindset of whatever role and whatever character you, uh, you've been booked as, and I think that's 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 the single most challenging aspect is not kind of going back to your trailer and kind of truly taking a mental break from, until they need you next. It's it's really just just that constant preparation and constant kind of staying in that in that game mindset. In, until you're actually needed and pulled on set and, and then you do the takes and then typically you're back you're back to waiting again for the next for the next set of 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 takes that sounds challenging uh, another thing that always seemed to me to be pretty challenging is the audition process you know if i'm lucky i have to interview for a job every three to five years or so and that's uh, nerve-wracking enough but a working actor is, is sort of interviewing all the time right yeah, that, that's absolutely the case. You know, I think that when, when we look at the numbers, you know, even for the smallest, you know, a one or two line role on a, on a, on a particularly on a union film, but really in, in even with some of the larger non-union and independent projects, for a, a single, the smallest role, speaking role on that on that project. Casting director may get thirty five hundred submissions for that one two line role. Of those twenty five thirty five hundred submissions, maybe fifty of them will get an audition. Of those fifty, ten will get a call back, and one person will book that role. So typically, yeah, your whole life is is I mean, your job really is is auditioning. If you get the audition, you've won the lottery. Everything beyond that is a bonus, and, and so you kind of uh, approached that process like that. And I, you know, I think that you know, there's been other actors who said, you know, that that's your job as an actor is to audition. That's your opportunity to perform and and, and to to work your craft for somebody else. And oftentimes, you 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 enter the that process with the with the mindset that. You know, I may not be right for this role, and I may, I may think I'm right for this role, but I don't ultimately know what the vision is that they're looking for. Uh, and you know, if 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 I'm auditioning for an FBI role, that may be perfect for me, I think. But that's not. But but I may not be the the, the person they're looking for. No matter how well I perform in the audition, I may do the audition wonderfully. They may say that was fantastic, but we really need somebody who's over six foot tall for that role, and. You know, Trevor's five ten. 
And so you really go into these auditions with the the mindset that this is the opportunity to get in front of a casting director, in front of a director, perhaps not for this role, but for future roles that they're that they're, no, they're going to be casting. So yeah, it's it's it, it's challenging. I mean, that, that's that's part of why you know oftentimes you hear that you, you know the entertainment industry that Hollywood is a, a a brutal industry because the numbers just are continuously stacked against you. And you just have to kind of embrace that. That's just what it is. That's that's the game. If if, if that's not the if that's not the reality that that you want or or can kind of reconcile for yourself, it's probably not the right. It's probably not the right profession for you. But once you've been able to do that, I think it becomes pretty easy. Uh, you know, interestingly, I, I I was talking with a fellow actor a couple of days ago, and he had actually been a, he had read the other sides for an audition that I had done probably a month ago. It was for a, a, a well-known director and producer, a, a big time show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, um, uh, this was over the weekend. He said, well, you know, did you hear anything back on that? And I said, well, I don't even remember what that audition was. Um, and he said, seriously, it, it was this huge audition. And as we talked, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've gotten really good, and I think most actors get to the point where they're, they, they, they get really good at uh, submitting the audition, leaving the audition, and absolutely forgetting they did it because chances are nothing's going to come of it. And you'll never hear back. You, you, it's, it's almost unheard of that as an actor, they will contact you and say, hey, we've decided to go in a different direction. It's the opposite. They, they you only know that they're going in your direction <laughs> if they reach back out to you. You just assume it's done. Unfortunately, there's a lot of talent acquisition teams that operate on the same basis. Yeah, um, it, it, it's it's that that whole notion of ghosting. Yeah, in, absolutely. In, in talent acquisition, absolutely. It's it's um, you know that that that's the reality for us. So you mentioned you know if you can't handle the audition process being the way it is, then this probably isn't the job for you. What else would you say is not a good fit? Let's say I'm, let's say I have, you know, a decent amount of talent in acting and I've got some training. So the, the technical chops are down, so to speak, but what else would you look for that would say, ah, I don't think this is right for you? I think more than anything, it's, it's understanding that, you know, What's driving your desire to, 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 to be an actor? If it is truly the, the, the joy of, of acting and performing, which again, is your job when you're auditioning. If that's what's driving you and you just can't think of anything that you would rather do and you'll put up with whatever in order to be able to act every single day. And that may be acting through auditions. It may be on set. It may be, it may be in training. If acting isn't the focus, if your focus is, I want to get famous, I want to make a lot of money, those things can happen, but it's a, it's a, it's a strike of lightning. And, and it's, it's one that you don't have any control over. You can be the best act. I've, I've worked with some wonderful, wonderful, probably the best actors I've ever met in my entire life. And they haven't made it big because they're just not in the right place at the right time. The, the right project's not there for them. Um, and, but they're, unbelievably talented. So if, if, and they continue because they love acting. If, if the focus is, 
I want to figure out how to get rich or make a lot of money or, or, or be famous. One, it's going to take, you look at almost all of, of the recognizable A-list Hollywood actors and you didn't see the 10, 15, 20 years they put in before they got that first big role. That doesn't mean they were bad actors before that. It just means they didn't have the opportunity. They, 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 that, that, that lightning didn't strike. So if you're not willing to just say, I, I'm not here you know, to, to get rich and famous, I'm here to act. That's the number one thing that I said. Then, then, then let's go for it. Let's talk about how, how you craft your, your life around a way that allows you to audition, allows you to be flexible and all those things. Yeah, I can see that. So there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of ambiguity. There's a lot of auditioning, a lot of uncertainty about, I'm sure, how the end product's going to come out because you do your job, but you don't know how everyone else is necessarily <laughs> doing theirs. So there's a lot of stress, it seems like, associated with this job. So I can see why only really loving the craft and doing the acting would motivate people to stick with it a long time. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. And you, you touched on a, a really great point that the end product is almost entirely outside of your control. Um, and, and I mean, if, if we think of, of any of the biggest actors who are out there, there's plenty of films that all of them have that were horrible films. And it's not necessarily because, you know, you know, that, that actor fumbled. And and certainly there are times when the actor fumbles too, (laughs) but, but there's times where the actor can do everything right. And the film just doesn't turn out to be a great film, let alone a a box office hit. So that, 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 that aspect of ambiguity is certainly prevalent in this industry. That's true. I have a hunch that I'd like you to either confirm or deny for me. And that is that actors in general are a more superstitious lot than the average or that acting as a profession has a lot of superstition kind of built into its lore. Am I anywhere close to being right about that? You know, I've never even, I've never heard that and I've never thought that. So can you give me an example of, of what? For example, if you act in Shakespeare, you're never supposed to refer to Macbeth by name. You're instead supposed to call it the Scottish play. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I've also yeah. heard, you know, of actors that have, you know, the lucky socks that they wear or uh, things like that. But the truth is you only hear about those stories because they're interesting and they may be the exceptions rather than the rule. Yeah. And that, those are great examples. And, and I, you know, certainly have run into those, but I, I, I think when I wrote, ran into those was, was more when I was early, early on um, as an amateur um, when I was in theater. So I don't, I don't know if that, if that's a differentiation between theater acting and, you know, film and television. Uh, that's a great question. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't run into that at all in, in okay, in, well, in now. film and television. But, but maybe that's yeah. just because I, I, I dismissed the superstition myself. Fair so I just ignore them. 
Yeah, my, my hunch was based on the fact that I've noticed that other professions in which the outcome is is very much out of control of the individual tend to have superstitions and they tend to be like, okay, here's an explanation for why this ultimately uncontrollable thing happens. So sailors tend to have a lot of superstitions. Coal sure. miners, I have some ancestors who are coal miners and they had lots of superstitions because these are jobs where, you know, you sort of high risk, anything could happen. And some of those things are out of your out of your control. So it was a, probably not a a great hunch, but I'm glad to have it confirmed. And I think you are the right person to ask because audience, here comes the swerve. Uh, Trevor Nagel is actually also Doctor Trevor Nagel, and in addition to being a working actor, he's also an IO psych consultant. So how did that come about? That actually came about before before I kind of returned to the acting world. I had I had spent, you know, after college, continue with with a military career that I had started as a reservist during college. Ended up getting out of the military, trying to figure out what I was going to do. Was was working, found a job in the corporate world, doing leadership development. I, I think on on the assumption that while well, you were in the military, therefore you know leadership, which I think is not, is not a particularly accurate. Uh, uh, no, but there's a lot of consulting firms that get a lot of mileage out of that idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but I was really doing a lot of leadership development and, and then uh, internal OD consulting for a number of years after the, after I got out of the military. And at the time, I had, had a master's degree in public administration that I'd gotten while I was in the military and was working for a Fortune 400 company internally as a consultant. And that company would would pay for part of a, a at, at that point any any further degree program, wow. and so I had kind of stumbled across IO psychology, and I was always one at, at that point in my career of, of feeling like well if they're if they're offering a benefit and I'm not taking advantage of it I'm just leaving ta- money on the table, which is probably not the best reason to go and get a PhD, but. But it got me got me started in, in that direction. Finished my PhD, and had, during during that process, had really networked enough to come into contact with with other consultants who were out there. And I recognized that as a consultant, the worst, which is kind of interesting as it relates to our earlier conversation about acting, the one aspect of consulting that I cannot stand, and I'm not good at it. And I can't stand it. I'm not sure which is which is the causal, <laughs> but either way, I'm not good at it, and I don't enjoy it. Is the business development? But I very quickly figured out that for myself, kind of affiliating myself with a number of other consultants, and, and almost a, like, like a bullpen p- pitcher, that as you get bigger projects that you get, you, you win contracts for. If you need an additional, uh, I hope type on this project, bring me in. Yeah. And initially it, it tied myself to, to a, about half dozen different small kind of boutique consulting firms in that, in that way and was getting enough work that I was able to, to leave the corporate world, um, ended up actually in the academic world for about eight years while also consulting. Um, and that's kind of just just built that way, and, it, and it's it's only kind of taken a back seat in in the last four or five years 
to the acting just because the acting opportunities have, have become so so frequent and I've gotten so yeah. fortunate in that that at this point I'm I'm still doing some executive coaching occasionally we'll we'll take on a, a an IO project. But I love I, I absolutely love IO psychology. I love I, I love working with leaders and, and organizations. And at some point I'll probably go back. I kind of I'm I'm writing this <laughs> this acting as long as it in, until it crashes and then yeah. and then I'll, and then I'll uh, probably head back more more fully in the io direction yeah and you will have uh, a very rich set of experiences to draw from i'm sure is there any overlap between these two worlds that you've noticed any transferable skills i think they're all transferable i you know i think it's you know whether we're talking about you know leadership development or organizational culture or we're talking about acting and filmmaking it's all about building in, 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 in rich experiences that you can then see, see, see parallels. And I guess that that's, that's, that's the key is being able yeah. to see those parallels and, and, and to be drawn, to draw from them. I'm a firm believer that, that whatever richness we can all individually bring to our lives can educate our experiences, no matter what we're doing. So I think, I mean, that's a really broad kind of nebulous response to your question, but, but I mean, making a film, making a, 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 a television series or in theater, it's all about teamwork. It's about leadership. It's about teamwork. And, and, you know, that's the side that, that oftentimes is, is thankfully hidden from the audience's view. But that's the reality. I mean, we, we look right now at, at, at the writer's strike and the, the yeah. upcoming directors and, and actors strikes. And, and, you know, you see where when, when one aspect of the team isn't able to, to be participating for whatever reason, that the whole machine grinds to a halt. That's no different than in any organization. So, so I think, I think there really are a lot of parallels. Yeah. Is there any specific overlap, do you think, between facilitations so facilitating leadership development programs or other training programs and acting? I, I would like to think that there's, there's a lot of them. I, th- I, th- I think that, you know, my, my ability to be an effective facilitator to be an effective trainer is hopefully based in in my ability to at least to a certain extent entertain i, I think that's a, an important aspect of learning and so i th- i think even early on i certainly drew on uh, on my kind of creativity but when when you're talking about uh, about all these different types of, of IOOD interventions. You're, you're talking about interventions that deal with with learning, and and any aspect of learning is has got to be entrenched in creativity. How you how you creatively develop a program for an organization and and, and interject aspects of their culture 
that that tap into that creativity. If 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 your audience isn't open to being creative, then their learning is probably going to be somewhat stunted in that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that it, it it all comes down to kind of the the, the thing that ties them. It, the the acting and and IO is that aspect of, of tapping into creativity, whether it's your own uh, or a, a client or organizations. That's very That's insightful. Cool. Thank you. I just have one more question. It's going to get a little in the weeds, but uh, <laughs> I've always been interested in self-perception theory, which for those listeners who aren't familiar with it is this idea that we observe our own behavior and then we make inferences about how we feel based on those observations. So if I am standing with my shoulders back with open posture, I have a smile on my face, just because I'm doing those things, my brain is going to see that in some sense and say, oh yes, you're confident because you're acting confident. And I wonder whether you see anecdotally any confirmation of that theory in your life as an actor. So for example, you talked about spending a lot of time on set and preparing and just staying in the mindset of the character you're portraying. Does it change the way you feel for lack of a better term inside, or is it more surface level? I I think it's, it's when you can do it, when you do it well, I, I think that that it's definitely more than surface level. I, I, I think that there there certainly is a a science to you know neuroscience tells us that that you know if 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 we're if we're depressed and we can think about the things that make us happy. It's easier for us to to begin to slide out of that that depression. I, I think that that within acting, the, the aspect of, of of neuroscience and, and our ability to to train or, or manipulate our, our our actual emotions is is critical. And, and a lot of my training has has come from Faith Hibbs Clark, who, whose whose background was in deception detection and she worked very heavily with with law enforcement and, and with politicians and, and and with public speakers on aspects of how do I change my own behavior in a way that that impacts how I'm actually feeling as, as a result for example if it, it's not enough as an actor to say oh this at this point in in this scene I'm angry you need to feel that anger. If you don't feel that anger, you're just delivering the lines. Mm. And that doesn't mean you can do it in an uncontrolled fashion, clearly. But, but there ha- you, you have to be within that scenario, within that circumstance, being true to yourself. But being true to yourself means that you know, if, 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 if my character is truly angry right now, I need to understand physiologically what happens to my body when I'm, when I'm angry. And I can use that knowledge, that, that, that kind of emotional fluency of, of myself to then say, okay, you know something, or, or if I'm scared, if I'm scared, 
my heart rate goes up, my breathing goes up. Well, if I need to on a, on a, a, a protect, particular set and a particular moment to be scared and I need to get myself in, in that scared mindset, I can manipulate my breathing that will then trigger a, a, a kind of neuroscience res- physiological response that mimics fear so that I can truly be feeling fear at that moment. I think that that, and that's, that, that's a, that's a huge challenge for, for actors, but I think that's where, you know, at, throughout the years, as, as we continue acting, that's a lot of what we're focusing on with our ongoing training is how do I really kind of tap into that without, I'm not, I'm not a, a fan of, or a believer in, you know, diving back into my childhood mm, to, like to, drawing on personal experience on personal and trying experience. to transfer that yeah i, I think that, that that's dangerous because i i think that you know we, we're, we're not on set with a bunch of, of therapists we're, we're we're there to do a particular job that's that's out, kind of outside of us so understanding kind of those physiological responses and how that can actually and, and the flip side of that is after that scene where I've been really angry, understanding, okay, how do I get myself back out of that? And how do I use those same techniques to kind of walk away? So I think there, there are a lot of, of, of um, interesting aspects of, of how we can control those. That is really absolutely fascinating. And I think we could look at acting as sort of an edge case for the idea of emotional labor insofar as it's, it's part of the job description, right? It, it's, it's a job that requires you to feel a certain way so that you can express that for the camera. And I think it's just a, a totally different um, experience than most of us have at work. I wanted to thank you so, so much for taking the time to, to talk to us. I, I found the conversation absolutely fascinating and I will be sharing links for you in the show notes. So I encourage people to check those out. Is there anything in particular you'd like to plug? No, you know something you, you've, you've got a couple links. I, I'm not a huge a self-promotional guy, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave those <laughs> with, okay. with what you've got, but I, I've really enjoyed this. It's been great. I appreciate the opportunity to talk. All right. Thanks again, Trevor. Have a great one. All right. You too, Ben.